The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. Good morning. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for being a good God to us, a God that loves us and a God that's forgiven our crimes and has actually reconnected us to you. And by your living spirit, living inside of us, you call us to become the human beings that we can be. And the purpose for that, the drive for that, is because you love humanity so much that you actually want to work through us and in us to show humanity your love and concern for them. So what I pray this morning is that you help me speak clearly and help folks to hear clearly what this metaphor of wood is. In your son's name, amen. You know, if you're visiting today, this is your first time here. Um, there's a few folks that, that set all this up. And, and today, you're, we're, this is like week three of a five-week conversation on different metaphor. What was I saying there? I have no idea. Metaphors from the scripture, right? And so there's five big ideas from the scripture. You know, water representing the spirit, wind representing the spirit, wood representing Christ himself, earth, and then also fire. And so this morning is a wood theme. And the, the core values that we have... We do this once a year conversation to remind ourselves who we are and, and what should be our, our motivation as individuals. So the core values are meant to define us as a community, but also the core values are meant to define us as individuals. And uh, so, you know, we, we don't always hit it. You know, some, sometimes it's, it's, we miss it. And, and uh, so we're not, um, you know, if you thought like Mosaic was perfect, you know, just give it a little bit of time and we'll be able to demonstrate that, no, we're just as human as anybody else. But, but we have certain values that we, that we want to define us and that are become the ideal that we're shooting for. But even if, you know, maybe you don't consider yourself a mosaic-y person or uh, the core values are from the scripture and they can help you define yourself as a follower of Jesus. So this is why we use wood and trees and you know, besides it being from the scripture, you know, it, it's, a, it's a very cool metaphor to define the spiritual life as, in, in this sense, um, you know, those of you maybe who like the outdoors or nature, you, you've seen how there's different types of trees from an, a tropical jungle to the tundra, you know, from your um, very well-maintained landscape to something maybe just wild up here in, in, in the foothills um, here in Whittier. And... So you have various types of trees, and, and they adapt to their environment. Great metaphor for, for a believer. They pull in water, another great metaphor. They, they, pull, they push out air, good metaphor, and they bear fruit. So you know, the tree becomes, or wood, becomes a, a, an excellent metaphor for a follower of Jesus Christ. And again, it's also found in the scripture, the core values, as a reminder, five big or five very clear ideas from the scripture. So starting with that, we're going to take a look at a few verses Primarily starting with John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. The book of John, you have a um, 21 chapters where the author tells you up front, I'm writing this book because I want you to believe in Jesus. And so the specific stories that I'm going to tell you in this book are meant to drive you or create the most optimal environment to believe in Jesus. Okay? Now, depending on how you view the book of John, there's either seven or ten or somewhere in between, but there's, there's uh, significant episodes that John selects to tell somebody this is Christ, and when you connect to him, you're going to live and thrive. That's the first ten chapters, three years. The second 
uh, half, 11 chapters or so, are one week. John accelerates the pace and he spends 10, 11 chapters in, and, and he just pushes into this one week. This was, this was a significant week, that last week of his life. And the last, uh, and half of that last section, or say 25% of the book, is just one night. This night that we're going to talk about. The Passover meal was similar to kind of our 4th of July. The meal was significant to the nation. It defined them as a culture. And what it was meant to do not in a solemn way, in a serious way, but it was really to remind people that God cared for them. It was his Passover. And so um, in the Passover, which is celebrated annually, it, it, you know, everybody's a Jew. Even if you're not really a serious Jew, you're, you're very Jewish on that day. You follow? Just like in America, right? You may not really be an American, but you, you know, you're going to fire off firecrackers. You're an American all of a sudden every 4th of July. Sort of like that. But this one is different because now this is the third one that they've celebrated, their, their rabbi with, with his students. And maybe they see his face nuanced a little bit differently. Maybe the tone, maybe the speech is just slightly changed. Because he does realize that right now I am I'm seven, six hours from a world of pain. And these guys are really not quite ready for it. I've poured out my life into them. I, I've shared my life with them. One guy at the table, Judas, you know, and it, 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 there's so many layers in that dynamic, you know, being so close to someone who cared for him so deeply, and yet, whether it was unable or refusal to connect, he sells them for uh, 30 pieces of silver, which was the price of a slave, uh, you know, about that time. Um, you know, so I mean, there's so many dynamics going on there, you know, was it, was it uh, what was going on happening there? If Jesus had a best friend, it had to be Peter. You know, those guys seem to connect a lot. And Peter became to see me like he would be the guy that would, that would speak on behalf of everybody else. Maybe because he just assumed the position or maybe he just understood it. If Jesus was very close, maybe in an affectionate, close, loving, uh, you know, unique way, it had to be John. John even described himself as the disciple that Jesus loved because I just experienced him in a different way. And then there was Matthew who, who would, you know, depending on the job, he would sell out his patriots to work for an occupying enemy. Then you had a guy like, you know, the Iscariot, who, um, the zealot, Simon, who was a, a political revolutionary who wanted to kick out, you know, the opposing army. And these guys were on the same team, you know. So, so many weird dynamics going on on the table, right? There's a conversation that goes on at the end of chapter 14, and he says, come, let's leave. So when you hear this story, you have to imagine him. How many of you remember the movie Gladiator when he's running his hand through the wheat field? Remember that? Okay, cool scene, cool soundtrack. Um... You have to almost imagine the hand of Jesus running his hand through a vine because he's going to talk. They're outside. And so I think just you know, being, the, being the rabbi that he was, he would use what was happening around him to, to explain the metaphors, as, as metaphors to explain God. So the last, last part of chapter 14 is come, let us leave. So they're outside. Chapter 15, I am the true vine and the father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, every while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will bear even more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up and thrown into fire and burned. And my wife likes to garden, and 
the roses and plants and all that. And I, I really loved to watch her from inside as she was doing that. Wow, she's really good at that. Man, it looks hot outside. Wow, she felt over in heat. Huh. <laughs> no, I, I'll go give her water, but I won't help her out. But anyway, the point is that I, I get the joy in, 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 you know, of course I help her up. I don't let her do that to exhaustion. <laughs> Whatever, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I know you, you would. So um, back to plants. Don't have ADD at all. And, uh, and so there's a pleasure, and I get that. You know, if, if some of you who grow stuff and indoors or outdoors and seeing something thrive or taking a plant that's kind of, you know, bent over and, and nursing it back to life. And so Jesus is saying, it's, it's something like this. It's a living organism, and the environment makes it healthy, and when it's connected to the roots properly, it thrives, and it bears correct fruit. Because this is what it's going to be like for you guys. You have to stay connected to me. And that connection to God involves a very simple process, whether it might be, I, I want to give you my life, I'm inviting you into my heart, and I want to be yours. I wish to experience your life. And sometimes that's the simple step into stepping into a God relationship, into that God dynamic. Because, I, I mean, I, I, aren't we all tired of trying to be good and realizing we're not? We're, we're, we're trying to find a place where our soul will thrive and it doesn't. And so Jesus is saying, your soul will thrive, you'll experience health, and you're going to have results in your life, the Bible calls it fruit, that'll be in line with me and my spirit when you stay connected to me. And so it puts change secondary and connection to God as primary. Now, with this metaphor of wood, you know, the, the subtext here today was, you know, serve to change. Structure always submits to spirit. Let me explain that first part, then the second part, and we'll continue to unwrap it in the scriptures. What I've found that's interesting about dynamics of people, the way they develop, I don't, out of, even if you're not in a spiritual community, you very rarely do well in isolation. You know those moments when things are not maybe happening well for you? and you pull back from your friends, you pull back from your family, you get a call or a text from somebody, it's like, oh man, I just don't have it in me even to take this. I know I like this person, or they, I know they like me, I know they care about me, I just don't even hear it. I, I, I can't, I don't want to be around people because I don't even like myself that much, because that's really what's happening, right? And when someone tries to offer maybe something that's helpful to, to avoid or do, your self-esteem is so damaged that you just absorb it as something negative. And so you just, you know, you vomit out all your nasty all over them. And, and, and it just hurts to be around people. You pull back, you pull back. My point in saying all that is that whether you're in a spiritual community or you're outside of spiritual communities, you, it, you are not meant to function alone. I mean, this is why sometimes some of us feel lonely, is that you are wired for relationship. And oddly enough, whether it's in step meetings or in community service programs or festivals or nonprofit work or in, in, uh, in work that maybe other religious or spiritual communities have do, when people like, get together in a team, they serve others with others, it seems to release a positive God energy in their lives and they begin to change, they become healthier. Because if you remember nothing else, you're gonna need to get this. Everything in the God life is relational. Everything in the scripture is relational. 
There's, there's very little, I can't really think of anything that you do in the God life that you do alone that doesn't evolve or affect another human being. So the first or the primary relationship is between you and God and then it spills out or it, it shows itself with other people. Always, always. Everything in the scripture is relational. Even Jesus here with this metaphor of the vine, he tries to point out, look, you stay connected to me, I'm in you. That's a relational component. And so... The idea of serve to change is when I give out my life, I actually find it and I gain it. But the idea of structure submitting to spirit is that you know we're not married to any policy. We're not married to this building. We're not married to a procedure. And, and what's funny to me is that you know, um, 30, 40, 50 years ago, the epitome of Christian living in existence was like in a pew in a high church with hymnals, right? And by the way, in some levels, I get it still. I love hymns. But I'm pretty sure most of you don't. So we have a different type of music that makes maybe more sense. And what's funny to me is that your grandkids, they're going to rebel by not having tattoos. Oh, that is so old. And, 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 you know, it's like, no, this is so cool. And Aerosmith will look like, you know. And Steve Tyler will finally look his age because they'll be all melted on your face. And the Sacred Heart will look like an like a oil spill or something. It would just it would look odd. No, this is how you serve Jesus, you know. And you're not in a nightclub. How can you love God? You know, and, and, and you'll just think they're strange because they went to church and they want to cut their hair and they're, they're voting Republican. You'll pull your hair out. No, what happened? You lost the faith. Cycles. Everything's a cycle. And here's what happens. At that time, if there's an organization known as Mosaic, it'll morph... To fit the time. It'll morph to fit the time and to speak to the culture at that time. Because we are meant to be able to move with God's spirit. Now here's an example. Here's an extreme example. Because of my enjoyment of reading history, I, I found it interesting that every group, political, spiritual, economic theories, ideas, they believed they were right at their time. This, that what they did and what, how they did it was the epitome of whatever expression that they were doing, right? So our Orthodox friends stopped evolving at the first century. This is the best of church. This is how church should always be. With the icons and these, you know, this beautiful artwork and we stand and we have six, seven hour prayer gatherings. I mean, I have a couple of Orthodox friends who's married, one of them married to a priest, and their home is really, really cool. I mean, I love the artwork, and, but her son, who's 25 years old, handsome as heck. In fact, his dad was in that film, uh, 69 film, Pumping Iron. He was a contemporary and a friend of uh, uh, Anod, our governor. So the guy, like, rocks, still at 70, you know, he could probably kill me, but then again, so can most children. And so, um, yeah, they can. And so... Um, and his son is like this dude, this cut. He looks like an Abercrombie and Fitch model, you know, but with clothes. And, and, uh, and so, but he says, the problem I have is trying to find a young woman that, that was willing to pray six hours a day with me in my Sunday gatherings. <laughs> Good luck, dude, you know. <laughs> How's that going, you know? <laughs> I'm so lonely, you know. So they, they stopped evolving at the first century. Our Amish friends, you know. You know, whatever that was, the 16th century, this is the best, this is the highest way of living. No light bulbs, 
No buttons or zippers, that's so proud and arrogant. Okay. See, but some of us, some of the churches stopped, they, they still think it's 1980. And it's old. And it doesn't make sense anymore. Uh, by the way, I came from that. I'm not, I'm not dumping all over it. I don't want to sound like, well, we're so much better and so much cooler. That has nothing to do with it. It's just that I know that when you love a tradition more than you love the message, when you are in love with the method over the heart of the message, you're going to miss people in your time. And so if it means that we use a certain style of music versus another that makes more sense, awesome. Because I really honestly believe this as a God person, that God actually cares about people more than I do. And so how he morphs into different situations is how I want to move into as well. And so, yeah, we use wood as terms of connection to that spirit, God, but not marriage to a building, not marriage to a policy, not marriage to a program. Because, the scripture tells us, God doesn't live in a building, in a policy, or in a program. He lives in people. And so we value people because that's where the spirit of God lives when he connects is to people. So wood continues to work for us in that metaphor. The church is not a machine. It's not just an organization. It is not an institution. It is actually the mystical body of, of all of his believers in different levels and different places and different cultures. Everywhere around the world. You know what's surprising to me is, is how, how many of you came from Hispanic churches? Anybody? No? Okay. Hyper-Pentecostal Hispanic churches, right? You no? I did. Okay, so you kind of know what I'm talking about. And, and then, then there's different cultures where they're Asian, they're European, they're Middle Eastern. And some of us would think, oh, that's different. France, right? There's Christians in France, two of them, right? I've heard, last count. <laughs> Six, okay, wow, they're just booming. At any rate, they're so stupid. I, I'm part French, so I feel the liberty to criticize my countrymen. You can tell by the fact that I always wear black and very lazy and drink espressos. <laughs> the point is, run from conflicts, but the point is, is that they all have different ways of doing Jesus. And you know what? All of them are right. And all of them are wrong somehow. Do you know, and this is what I love, especially when I speak to somebody from a seminary, especially ones who just insist on being right. That, that I, 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 if you're from a seminary, I mean, I love you guys, you're cool. I mean, I, I went from the front door to the back door. But my point is that, <laughs> look, everybody has something wrong in their theology. I'm, I'm just not arrogant enough to believe I'm right. I mean, I know I am, but I'm not, I'm not arrogant enough to believe that, that I'm right. And so logic and the scriptures are going to guide my thinking in this. And I trust that the Holy Spirit will teach me. But I'm not married even to my ideas. There are some non-negotiables. But honestly... How all of it works out, I'll give you my opinion from what I understand from the scriptures, but if you disagree with me, we're still friends. My world is large enough for people who disagree with me. I sometimes don't think others are. Because again, they're in love with their tradition. They're in love with the method. And so this is why wood to us becomes a, a very powerful metaphor to ex explain adaptability, how it pulls in water, breathes out air, and bears fruit. And it will morph to its environment. Because this church might make sense here, but it might not make sense in Iowa. 
Nothing wrong with Iowa. It's just, that's just how it is. And some urban settings might not make sense here in Whittier. That's just how it is. So structure submitting to spirit is critical. But speaking of spirit, let's go to a passage that's familiar to some of you. It's found in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Acts 2, verse 17. This day, in this particular uh, verse we're going to read, it's about 50, 51 days or so from the night that we just read about. Okay? This particular festival, Pentecost, was another you know, important part of the Jewish calendar. And so... Jesus had talked about a moment that was coming that the Holy Spirit would, would, would actually invade the lives of people in a very unique, powerful way. Not against their will, but in a way that was very unique and launch a new movement. Okay? Um, and it happened in a very dramatic way. And, and, and if you came out of an environment that whether they, quote, spoke in tongues or didn't, that's not the issue here. But at that moment at least, quote, the speaking of tongues were languages that were understood by people, not just sounds. That's all I'll say on that. So you had people from France, all six of them, and, and uh, our, our, you know, let's say Asian community of spiritual believers and, and, and European and, and, and African and, you know, El Salvadoran, whatever, and when they were there to gather for the festival of Pentecost, because every self-respecting Jew would be there for this important festival, right? All of a sudden, they heard these 11 guys, 120, excuse me, 120 people spouting off in foreign languages, and they heard, they heard it in French, they heard it in Japanese, they heard it in Korean, they heard it in Spanish, and they heard it in Spanish from Spain, the correct Spanish, and then they heard it in in, in Cholo, and they heard it in all sorts of other languages. And every person there was saying, oh my gosh, that guy's pointing me to Jesus, and I understand it in a way that I never got it before. And so, of course, what they assumed, because everybody that speaks perfectly in a foreign language that didn't know before is drunk. So they say, oh, obviously they're drunk. Because, I mean, I know how my speech improves if I've had a glass of wine. And I love what Peter says. He goes, they're not drunk. It's still early. But at five, that's a real possibility. That's why I love Peter. Like, Really, Peter, that was the best you could do. This is a very public moment for Jesus in the community, and this is what you said. It's still morning. (laughs) Okay, Peter, way to go. Um, But then he begins to explain it, and he says, hey, and and he quotes from, quote, what we call the Old Testament. They would have referred to as just their scriptures. He says, hey, this, this is actually fulfilling everything that God talked about. And so here's what he says. No, this is not, uh, uh, <laughs> it's only nine in the morning, this is what he says. No, this is not what was spoken by the prophet Joel, verse 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven below, above and the signs of, on earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke, and the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Verse 22, 21, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, restored, reconnected, rescued, forgiven. And by the way, because you know, if the Bible uses the word saved, it implies some kind of rescue that has to take place, Correct? 
So this was a, you know, I think for us, you know, we're westernized and to the point where we have some eastern influence as well. We're, we're okay with the idea of having some sort of spiritual component to our lives. But I, I, if I could take it maybe a step further for some of you is that you're not really primarily physical. You're really primarily spiritual. You're primarily spiritual having a physical experience. And you know what would be kind of a you know, fun week project is how much you could live out of this realm and in tune with the spiritual realm. In fact, some of you are actually probably more in tune with the spiritual realm than you know, but in a dark way. It's so influencing your thoughts, it's so influencing your habits, it's so influencing your emotions and your mind that you just think something's wrong with you and it's defining you. It's informing your soul in a very negative way. And it's shaping you in, in dark ways. And it's actually, because I think there's multiple voices probably going on in your head, it's also telling you that you are always this person, you will never be anything else. That you are unlovely, unkind, undesirable, and incapable of experiencing God. And all of that are, are lies. But the new idea here for this Eastern mindset, when he was, what, what Peter was explaining, is that the, that the Spirit of God wouldn't just be on somebody on a temporary basis, which they understood from their stories in the Old Testament. People like Moses, David, and others. They would experience a momentary infusion or a covering of God, and they would have this moment. But even David had moments when he realized, I have so blown it, I, have such, I lived in such darkness, please, quote, don't take your Holy Spirit from me, or your spirit from me. Because it could sort of like leave. But Jesus, in using the example of the vine and the branches, says, you know, this is not really, the, the dynamic's going to change now. I'm not just like on you, like a covering or like oil, which was, that was representing. He said, I'm going to live in you, and I'm staying. And so as I'm inside you and you feed this part of, the, of your soul correctly, it, it'll begin to have an effect. Because the spirit matters and it materializes in the physical realm. You know what? Uh, did you realize that the world is what it is right now because of, of who you are or who you are or who you are? And what I mean by that, I mean to use the kind of an extreme example. If it wasn't for Dr. King, there, it, it's very possible that uh, African Americans would still not be able to vote in some cases. You follow? So the world changed because of one man's life. The world changed because of Mother Teresa. The world changed because of certain presidents. The world changed because of a guy like Bono. The world has changed and has, has morphed and has responded to these people's lives. See, I, I'm wondering what change the world is waiting for from your life. Oh, man, I'm not that guy. You don't... Well, Bono wasn't always Bono, you know what I mean? I mean you know, Dr. King wasn't always Dr. King. At one point, he was just this guy, you know? He was just Marty, you know? I mean, he was just that, he was just that kid. <laughs> Did you like that one? Because you're enjoying that one, really. I'm going to use it again, because this is just my set for the improv next week. The world is what it is right now because it's responded to you. And I'll give you even an example that you already know this. Have you you've been at in a work environment or maybe even a church environment when a certain person walks in it just, they just have such a negative influence that they bring everybody down? You know that by the, when this person comes in they just have a way of sucking out positive energy for a room? But on the other hand, you've known other people that when they come in, even something that seems chaotic, they, they're able to like bring order to it. They're able to speak in a certain way that kind of you know, soothes, calms, and encourages everybody. You know what's happening? The, the, you might say the physical reality is responding and shaping to them. And see, as a, as a believer, I, I'm just, I am convinced that God is big enough 
that he'll change the world in a positive way through his church. Or this is what's supposed to happen. And so when people in a church community value people over their traditions, um, listen, you know what? If people are disappointed in God, whose fault is that? See, I think we have to own that to a degree. If people have misunderstood Jesus and his mission, well, he told us that we were supposed to represent him, so whose fault is that? And so it drives me back to want to connect to the God who's connected to everything and everybody. You know, is, is there a life that I'm missing? Am, am, am I damaged somewhere, dark somewhere, that I'm not able to communicate that well enough to someone else? Because it does matter. So Peter goes on to explain that there was something unique that would happen to men and women. That the Spirit of God would, would actually come inside folks and live inside them and, and see... Even if somebody is not, doesn't call themselves a God person, they still, every single one of them, bear the image of God, the imago Dei on their souls. And they have an intrinsic value to God. And therefore, they should have one to us. And so it continues further that um, if, if this is true, then it, it goes far beyond trying to, well, you know, let's reorient the church and let's change this to make that. Listen, if what Jesus said is true, and I think it is, there are enough talented people in this room and, and skilled and gifted and winsome and charming that we could probably get a lot of things, good things done. I mean, right? People who don't know God do a lot of good things, sometimes much better than the church does. But what God is looking for is not just good things that help humanity, but also the character changes that come right out of your soul. That you're actually a better person at the end result. You're generous. There's, you're, there's a fearlessness. There's a courage. There's a perseverance. There's a grounding. And unhealthy habits and darkness are minimized to the point of non-existence. Because even bad people can do good things, right? No? Is that possible? It's in, physically, I mean, was that philosophically impossible for you? I mean, the, the, the Playboy organization does good things occasionally. They, they cut checks to nonprofits. You follow what I'm saying? Does that, does that help you now? <laughs> All right, let's go on a little further. Let's look at another passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and then we're going to end on this. Back to this metaphor of wood again. Paul's going to shift this conversation a little bit for us, and he wants to explain it in a way that um, all the parts and members and all that kind of thing, making a difference. Let me point out something. Some of you who are visiting, some of you are checking us out. Um, if you're visiting today and you're going to make this your home for a while, you've changed us. Whether it's like adding a color to a mixing bowl or a spice to a recipe, you've changed us. You're not an extra piece. You're not going to be tolerated. You know, you have gifts, experience, and knowledge and that we just don't have. So you're, you're going to change us. Right? So there isn't a person that could say, I'm not necessary, nor is there one that could say, oh, that person's not necessary, or I don't fit in. Because really, the way the, the body is supposed to work, in Paul's understanding here mystically, was that everything isn't, has a place. All right. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, about spiritual gifts... Brothers, I, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were 
pagan somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is cursed. And no one who says, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God who works all of them in all men. Let me drop down to verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts and are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by the Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up one part, but of many. If the foot should say, <laughs> by the way, I don't know why I find this very silly to me, because how can you hear the foot? It's in your shoe. But nonetheless, wouldn't it sound muted? Pardon me, what? Because I'm not the hand, it would not be the reason for me to cease to be part of the body. And, and if the ear should say, because I'm, see, how could the ear hear itself talking if it's the ear? <laughs> um, you know, I'm, this is how actually I, my mind thinks. I go right to visual. If the ear was talking, does it have a tongue? It has to have lungs to, you know. <laughs> but if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, you know, well, does it leave a snail trail behind? Is it... <laughs> And when it blinks, would it bump into walls because it's not seen? Where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? And as it is, there are many parts, but one body. Okay, let me stop here for a second, and we'll close. I know some of you guys are melting. Listen. If I, want to, if I was to sum this all up, I would say this. There isn't a single person that walks into this place that calls this their home that doesn't bring something to the table. And I, I think if I have one gift, well, I have many, but if I have one gift, I mean, let's just call a horse a horse, right? If I have one gift, I'm totally comfortable with people who are more talented than I am. That's probably what I bring to this table. Because there are people here that are younger, faster, smarter, more clever, sing, they bathe. I mean, they do all sorts of things that I'm not able to, able to do. And I'm totally comfortable working with them. And for some reason, they're totally comfortable listening to me, which is also another miracle. All kidding aside, I think we are comfortable with the idea that, that there are those who are creatives and make lovely environments for us to experience. That we're, we're comfortable listening to music and musicians. We get that. We're even, in some mosaics, we have a dance program. We have artists that paint and do such. In fact, uh, uh, Richie, who was here earlier, he, he did that artwork for us that's in the patio. And somehow we think that's it. I mean, some of your other churches you might have gone to, there's like two gifts operating, right? The gift of speaking and you have the gift of listening. And, and, and yet I love the fact that, that God is, 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 you know, is not a sexist. He points out that my spirit was to, to influence and empower everyone, men and women. Because I know what happens sometimes even in our church traditionally, right? A woman wants to serve, where'd she end up first? Kids. Or the kitchen, or the kitchen right. Because, you know, obviously men can't cook. And men shouldn't take care of kids. We really shouldn't. I mean, I, in some cases, <laughs> I, I am a living testament to that, man. I have, I have left my daughter at home, driven to a restaurant. Open the door, car seat's empty, and what does a guy do all the time? Where'd you put her? Blame it on the wife. 
And I thought you brought her. I thought you brought her. It was like a cartoon driving back home to go get her. And, you know, I can take care of kids. Oh, oh it's upside down? Sorry. And, uh, yeah, I've lost my daughter a couple of times. So that's why I don't teach parenting classes either. My point in there was one. Is that I, I know how it's easy for us to be, to, to, to put people into boxes and shapes and say, well, this is what you are. If you're this age, you do this. If you're this sex, you do that. If you're this skin color, you probably would like to do this. And we won't even say it out loud. But we absolutely operate this way. But if, the, if God is real, and I think he is, I, I think some of you are, are already holding back into what he could do for your life. And we absolutely need you to submit your gift and, and serve with us. And let us serve you so that we actually grow not into a more an effective body to share the message of Jesus Christ with others, but actually a more beautiful one as well. See, I, I, I'm not drawn by efficiency. I'm not drawn by like, something that has a very clear design. But aren't I always drawn by beauty? By something that's winsome? And so I think as the body of Christ becomes that winsome voice for Jesus on this planet, people will connect to God through Jesus Christ. And it's a win for everybody. All right, it's, it's getting too hot. Let me dismiss you guys. Father, thank you so much for this, for this metaphor of wood. Help us to remember that there are many, many solutions to the same problem. Help us not to get so locked into a method or a program that we become inflexible and unable to hear your spirit move us differently. Help us also to remember that it is the spirit of God, your spirit doesn't live in a building or in a program, but it lives in people. So help us to place a priority on people, not only in our lives personally, but also in this community. And forgive us when we fail. Um, help us to be able to see that and quickly resolve to restore what we can restore. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.